Wow. Hello, church. Good morning. Morning. It's pleasure to be here always. As you guys know, I'm traveling to Australia, like my dad said. So after that, after this, I actually have to go back home and start packing because I've not packed yet, okay? Um, we're on a series on one another, and today I'm honored to start us off with uh, Serve One Another. And today, today's sermon again will be sort of different. Instead of telling you guys to serve more, I want to take things from a different angle. And today, the structure of the sermon is going to be the first 50%. It's sort of like the setup, and the second 50% is only where I'm going to dive in the topic. So, just, just join with me on this ride, okay? I'm going to start off with a principle or a statement. It is possible that we are doing the right things for the wrong reason. We do the right things for wrong reason. So, I'm going to give an example from my past. This year, is when I attended youth camp, and this was the first youth camp I attended. And you can see, that's me over here. Wow, look at that. This is a testament of the grace of God. And in this particular youth camp, I actually, when I was younger, I'm not a big fan of socializing. So I would try to avoid hanging out with the teens. But what made this youth camp different was because there was a girl I like. Ooh, okay. So I decided to go. I did the right thing but for the wrong reason, okay? And, and, and that's a comedic way of putting things. But I'm sure in your life, as you think about your work, your family, and perhaps relationships, you can do the right things uh, for the wrong reason. So perhaps it could be one of the things I like to do last time is when we only have like a single computer, I will rest Sayang, my brother, so, you know, he, I, he feels very nice to me, then he will willingly allow me to play the computer longer than him. So, again, doing the right things for the wrong reason. Now, I want to extend this idea in terms that there's a particular thing about Christianity or what Jesus teaches, whereby we can do the right thing for the wrong reason. So, Matthew 6, 16, verse 17. This is one of the passages in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus here was talking about fasting. And it says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So in this particular context, right, the people who fast, they use it as a way to show that their status and they're more spiritual than the rest. So this is what the Pharisees would do. They would fast, they would pretend, oh, I'm fasting for God. Then everybody around is like, wow, holy, 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 holy. Then, then obviously what happens is they did it because of the status that is assigned to them because they fast. You see, okay, but Jesus is not against fasting. Jesus himself fasted 40 days before he went to his ministry. But here, Jesus was criticizing the version of fasting where fasting becomes a symbol of status to show that you're spiritually superior than the rest, okay? Now, the idea of doing things for the status symbol has not changed even in modern-day setting. So, for example, let's talk about like a church whereby they're big on worship, okay? The symbol of status does not necessarily need to be fasting anymore. It could be worship leading on stage, that now become has the modern-day version uh, status. So people who worship it on stage, it's like, wow, holy, 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 fantastic, I want to be like that. 
And you, let's say you say, oh, you know, I don't want to be in this, all this more happening church. Maybe I go to a more quieter church, more Bible-oriented church. Now, again, the symbol of status has not changed. The symbol of status changes, but now somebody who's more spiritually superior is someone perhaps who knows the Bible a bit more. So here, we have an interesting quirk of Christianity whereby we can do the right thing, which is worship lead, we could worship God, we could preach the Word of God, but it is possible to stem up from a wrong reason. And today, I want to expand this idea on serving. We can serve in the right ways for all the wrong reasons. We can serve in the right ways for all the wrong reasons. And today, I want to go to my anchoring verse, which is Galatians 5.13. So Paul says in this particular passage, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity of the flesh, but through love, serve one another. And here, Paul was contrasting two different things, the flesh and serving one another. Okay? And I want to expound a bit more on flesh. So what does flesh mean? What happens is later down in the passage, Paul gives an talks about the different kinds of way that the flesh can operate. So this particular passage, I think we have all heard it before at some point in our Christian lives. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warned you, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this passage, last time when it used, we, we use normally to emphasize sexual immorality, drunkenness. But I want to point out something. All the words I've highlighted here, these are the seven things by which are all sort of more day-to-day -day in perhaps of what we experience. Jealousy, Envy, this is in the same category of those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So sexual, sexual immorality, jealousy, envy, God parks this all in sort of the same category. And as much as we preach against sexual immorality, we also must equally preach against strife, enmity, dissensions, and so on and so forth. Okay? So here, Paul was talking about this kind of ideas. Okay, now, let's go back to the idea of doing the right things for the wrong reasons. I'll go to this particular passage, Philippians 1, 15 to 17. So, here, Paul was referring to a particular group of people. We are not sure who, uh, but this is very interesting. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Now, I've highlighted here, preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Now, there is no greater act in terms of being a disciple of Christ by preaching Christ to preach Jesus. That's probably one of the highest, greatest act in the world. But here, somebody here has preached Christ out of envy and rivalry. Not only that, proclaim Christ out of 
selfish ambition. These people here were preaching God's name, but they were operating out of the flesh. And here's the funny thing, okay? The term envy, rivalry, and selfish ambition actually corresponds to envy, jealousy, and rivalries. They are the same root word. So these people are preaching Christ, but they are preaching Christ through the form of the flesh. So this sort of opens the door whereby it is possible for somebody to serve God the hardest, perhaps worship lead every Sunday, preach every Sunday, usher every Sunday, do sound ministry every Sunday, but actually they're coming from a place of the flesh. And the best way I can think about it is avocado, okay? Now, why avocado? Me and my, my mom loves avocados, you know, uh, wanted to do a keto diet, all that kind of thing. So my mom likes to buy a bunch of avocados at once and bring it back home so for us to eat. But here's the thing with avocados, or at least our experience with avocados, which is that we can't tell the quality of the avocado from the outside. So we will get the avocado, and wow, this one looks not bad. Can, 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 can. But then we open it up, oh, it's rotten on the inside. It's all like brown, it's all mushy already, cannot eat already. Then we have to throw away, okay? And you know, sometimes that's the way when it comes to us and serving. On the outside, it looks perfect. It looks fine. And you can't tell the difference, a good avocado and a bad avocado. But then what happens is on the inside, one can be festered, rotting, disgusting on the inside, and the other one might be fine. So here's a big principle. The outward is not representative of the inward. Somebody who can quote-unquote preach Christ can be festering a lot of bitterness on the inside or perhaps even operating from the flesh. You can serve the hardest, but it is purely motivated by flesh. And this is a meme. This is what my generation does. So in this particular meme, serving others, but underneath, it is the sinful flesh that operates. And this really message is really the, the culmination of lots of introspection in terms of ways when I realize that my serving can disguise as a form of flesh as I try to live it out. So I'm, the next few parts, I'm going to elaborate on things whereby we, serving has become really a disguise for the flesh. So for example, when making disciples becomes a number competition for ego purposes. So our church is all big about honoring God, make disciples. It's part of the tagline. Now, what is our status symbol here? The status symbol here is somebody who makes the most disciples, which again, not wrong, fantastic, great. But what happens is if we put our security in, in making the most disciples and not in Christ alone, then we have a problem going on. And when we start comparing, hey, you invite how many people to discovering God? Hey, you invite how many people to discovering God? Oh, I need to beat them. And if it comes from a unhealthy place, that shows that perhaps it is of the flesh. Second one, when possessing the leadership title becomes a status rather than an opportunity to serve. You know, in our church, we have the life group. We got, we got core member, you got life group leader, you got coach, then you obviously got the pastor. And I used to serve in the teens ministry, so I had the title 
of coach. Now, I'm no longer serving in the teens ministry, so I'm no longer a coach there. But as my last few years, right, I was contemplating, did I hold on to this title as a coach? Because I'm Pastor Tim's son, I better have a title in church. Or is it because I really genuinely wanted to serve the teens? And some of you here, your life group leader, you're holding on to the title perhaps, ah, because you don't, you're scared of losing face. Or perhaps that's your relationship with the coach and in your relationship with the title of the leadership position you have in church. Now again, leadership title, nothing wrong, but when our posture relating to that becomes unhealthy, what happens is you are operating from the flesh. Next one. When it is pride that incentivizes you to be a leader. Okay? Not only that, okay, next one. When a person shares a weakness during LG or one-on-one discipleship and you delight in the fact that you don't have that weakness. Yeah, and this is quite cynical. And it's, it's very... Okay, so I'm going to share a story. There was once, me and my friend were having uh, dinner with this particular couple, okay? And so we were talking and the couple was just sharing their story. Lah. And it was a fantastic story, how God moved in their life. It was, uh, it was it's like perfect story that God can write. And what happens was, the friend asked, hey, so can you share a weakness that you guys have as a couple? And then the couple talk, 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 talk. Then they realized they cannot have a particular weakness like in that particular sense. So as I was going back and I was walking back with this particular friend, I asked the friend, the question you asked just now, right, was it because of your insecurity? And then what happens is the friend described to me how that because it sounds so perfect, their story on the outside, and what happens is he sort of does not see uh, God moving in his life. So when he asked the question, right, the question is to reveal a weakness from the couple so that he or she can feel better about himself. Because their weakness are, ah, that means also they are sinful like me. So here, you got a very innocent question. Share us a weakness that you have. And first off, it's a, it's a very typical LG question that we can ask. But what happens is then, you leverage on their weakness to validate your insecurities. And this is very cynical because this can happen during ILG because everybody is we're trying to be vulnerable. And if you do not be careful, you can operate based on trying to gain validation from your insecurities of your LG member. Wow, fascinating, the deceitfulness of the heart. Not only that, let's go on. When you gain validation from other people in competence, especially in the leadership context. Okay, so this is where I saw the privilege of being an in-betweener. I have been part, I've, yeah, you know, my dad's the pastor, so I have people who have led me before. And not only that, I used to serve in the teens ministry, so I've led people before. And there's times whereby I've caught myself looking at one of the quote-unquote leaders who lead me, and they are, they, let's say they didn't do something very competently, and it's like, wow, thank God I'm not like them. And then the reverse is true, whereby because a younger leader, younger leader perhaps made a mistake that I didn't make when I was young, it's like, wow, thank God I'm not done. And immediately I caught myself because what happens there? I am practicing rivalry. I'm having a form of rivalry and my validation, again, comes from uh, dwelling on the incompetence when I don't have. It's a form of self-righteousness. Okay, next one. When you gain pleasure from judging others because of their perceived lack of spirituality. And this one can come in many different kinds of forms. So for example, let's say, right, 
I'm meeting a particular member, and this particular member has prayed about a particular decision and has made the decision to do something else. It's like, wow, that's not spiritual. Like then I, I can tell myself, wow, thank God I'm not, that, I'm not that not spiritual. Then immediately, I've gained validation from the fact that I pride in my decision-making process in terms of honouring God. So you can have a lot of things. And I'm reminded of the story ultimately about uh, the parable that Jesus uh, have that there was tax collector one day in the, uh, in the synagogue and he was praying to God and the God was, and he was praying, oh God, forgive me for my sin. And then what happens is one of the righteous Pharisees walks by, walks into the what? And then he looks to God and says, thank God, I'm not like the tax collector. And then the, the, Jesus tells us that who actually is closer to the heart of God is actually the tax collector. So just continue going on. When you're not willing to bless the younger generation because you fear that they would surpass you. So as a coach, as someone to use to serve in teens ministry, what happens is I need to be okay with the fact that some of the teens leaders might surpass me and might be better than me. And I have to let it go and perhaps even cheer them on. And next one, when you take pride in surpassing the older generation, so the reverse, I can take pride in terms of serving uh, when I surpass the older generation, which is the people who have gone before me. So I just go back to the particular passage. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, okay? So I want to do this, okay? Serving one another out of the flesh. You know, the flesh here, can be replaced with any of these words. You're serving out of strife. You're serving out of rivalries. You're serving out of dissension, division, envy. And just not all the things that I mentioned, those things can stem from all of this. Serving out of pride. All these things are the works of the flesh. And I feel, as I preach today's message, right, I feel that we all can do a heart check. As we serve Christ, which is good, but are we serving from the right place, the right posture, as we choose to serve one another? Okay? Now, but the Bible continues on. So after Paul lists out the fruits of the flesh, works of the flesh, he lists out the fruits of the Spirit. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So what's the antidote? To, instead of serving out of the flesh, the antidote is to serve one another out of the Spirit. To serve out of joy, out of love, out of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And imagine, instead of serving out of the flesh, what does it look like if you serve out of the Spirit? You know, I can immediately think of three different ways by which our world changed. First off, right, the relationship with others. When I serve out of love, and when I say love, it's not like, the feeling of very goosebump kind, though that, that's possible, but it's to will the good of the other person in the same way that you will the good for yourself. You know, great, 
greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. The second one is to love others as you love yourself. So imagine, we serve one another out of just the genuineness, you want the good for the other person. And out of the kindness that you have for the person, you want to see that person succeed. That's powerful. Secondly, when you serve out of the Spirit, right, in your life, you no longer need to struggle with all this rivalry, envy. It is just really, just an expression of the love of God indwelling your life. And how does that flow out from your life? And lastly, your relationship to God, with God. You know, there's this particular idea that I think uh, when it comes to love, we always think of love as a, we always say that love is always an action. You know, I choose to love you. And what happens is sometimes as Christians, we have construed that to make it that actually when love is an action, there's no feeling involved. And what happens is we impute that on God. That when God loves us, right, He actually wills Himself to love us, but He actually does not delight in us. And I realized that's a very dangerous idea because when God loves us, God actually wants us, God actually delights and really enjoys. He's not like trying to force His way to love us, like He needs to take all His heart and mind and soul and really concentrate on loving us. It is out of His love that He loves us. And when we adopt the kind of mindset that love is just from the outpouring of the grace of the Spirit of God indwelling us, what happens is we find that our love for others, when we serve one another, it starts to look more and more like Him. Okay? And the final one, and he says this, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I want to end with this particular story and it's somewhat bound. Uh, let me just share. Okay, this here is Jason. Okay, uh, Jason is a good friend of mine. Okay, uh, and he's not here today. He's actually in teens uh, ministry. But me and Jason have gone all the way back ever since ever since I was 13, okay? And me and him are the same age, okay? But I want to bring it from a different line, okay? Now, we all know that Jason is going to be a pastor soon, all right? And uh, he's going to be installed, I believe, at the end of this year. Okay, yeah. And what happened is, okay, I want to give you guys, paint the picture a bit, huh? I have served in teens longer than Jason, okay? Correct? And secondly, from a perception base, right, I am Pastor Tim's son. I mean, yeah, duh. And what happens is, Jason is going to become a pastor. And I saw, I identified this, and I saw this from afar, and I looked, wow, this here could be a ground by which bitterness can uproot. Because it has like the perfect ingredients. How come he can become pastor, but why I cannot become pastor? You know, in, in, the, in, the, in the very cynical way. And the best term I can describe about it uh, is really spiritual jealousy. So we always say jealousy and envy in terms of material things. Oh, I'm jealous because you have a fancy car. Oh, I'm jealous because you have more money than me. Here, I found myself, I am possibly jealous because I do not have the same call of God with Jason, in his life. I don't have that. And I, identi- and I saw that. I saw that from afar. I was like, wow. This is, it's so evil and twisted because it's taken the call of God that God has placed it on his life for God to move him and use him so powerfully. And here I am being cynical and trying to take it. And 
I feel like the devil was perverting this goodness and using it for his, his, his work. And as I was thinking about all this, right, and I saw it from afar, like I, I, like, I don't have any bitterness, but I saw it from afar. Like, if I do not deal with this, it could be a festering ground. What happens was, I was reading this particular passage, okay? So this is a particular passage in the end of John, and it's one of the strangest passages in the Bible. So before this, Peter was talking to Jesus, and Peter was have, telling, uh, no, Jesus was asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? And then Peter said, yes. And then Jesus asked twice, and twice more, and then Peter, yes, I love you. Then Jesus tells Peter, oh, uh, where you, you will follow where, yeah. He says emotionally that where you go, I'll lead you. And, and what happens is this passage comes after that. So Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And I was, as I was reading this passage, right, okay, we all know, okay, John, which is the disciple that Peter was alluding to, uh, is the last apostle. He died in the island of Patmos uh, way uh, after all the other disciples have died. And so when Peter asked Jesus, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? Here, Jesus is neither denying on confirming what will happen to John. Well, what does Jesus say? What is that to you? You follow me. And as I was reading this, I felt Jesus spoke in my heart, or in, in every sense of the word. If it is my will that Jason becomes a pastor, what is that to you? You follow me. And immediately as I read that, I know my goal at the end of the day is not to pursue quote-unquote a rivalry with Jason. My goal at the, not, at the end of the day is not to dwell on the envy but ultimately to follow Jesus and to be found in Christ. And you know, I just want to go back to this. Oh, wrong slide, wrong slide. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, I think I pressed this one. Okay, yes. And those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with his passion and desires. In that particular moment, how do I crucify that? passion of the flesh, I go back to Jesus. And it is where I find myself in Jesus, following what He wants for me, that's where I can serve. I can serve out of the joy, out of the love, and out of gentleness, kindness, and really the fruits of the Spirit. I'll end with this quote. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we want to serve one another from a healthy manner, let us find ourselves in Christ Jesus where we belong. Let's bow our head and close as we pray. Father, Lord, I'm just so thankful for what you, have, you are doing in all of our lives. Lord, uh, even in this particular sermon, I pray, oh God, that as for all the people who serve here or perhaps leaders or people who want to serve, I pray, oh God, that you reveal to us, oh God, are we motivated by the flesh or are we motivated by the Spirit? Are we so dwelled 
on the things to serve our ego, our pride? Or are we really wanting to serve out of the joy and love that you have given us? I pray, O oh God, that as we, we reflect upon our lives, that we may repent of our ways. Father Lord, we are sorry for every time, O oh God, that we have chose our ways above yours. We are sorry for every judgment we have, in, we have placed on other people instead of trying to serve you. I pray, O oh God, that you can change our hearts and mold us so that we can serve you and through that, we can serve one another from the Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen.